0: A frantic 911 call comes in from a farmer who's speeding from his rural address and into town to the nearest hospital with his critically injured wife bleeding out in the backseat of his truck. She's being cradled in the arms of their 13-year-old son as they rush to save her life. Racing down the backcountry roads, the boy cries that he can't feel his mom's pulse. As she quickly fades, the man driving the truck pulls over and begins chest compressions to no avail, and she would be pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. Come on. Come on. Come on. You're listening to True Crime IRL, and I'm Kelly Barron's brink and this is the story of Amy Mullis, Death by Corn Rake. November 10th, 2018 was just another beautiful late fall day in Iowa. Two weeks before Thanksgiving, the autumn leaves would have blown away by now, leaving bare brown branches behind. The chill in the air would be amplifying as the holiday season grew closer and you could see your breath when you headed to work in the morning. People would still have their pumpkin decor out on their porches since Christmas tree time was still a few weeks away. And there's nothing more quaint than a big old red barn in the fall in Iowa. Think of every farmhouse-chic photo you've seen on Instagram times 100. That's what Iowa farms are in real life. And Amy Mullis was spending her day in mid-November being a diligent farm wife, working in their barn on the family hog farm. 39-year-old Amy and 43-year-old Todd Mullis had been farming for years in their small Delaware County community. On the outside, they seemed like your typical small-town family of five. That is, to people who didn't know them well. Because behind closed doors, it was a different story. Each family member had their own duties and responsibilities on the farm. The kids, two boys and a girl, Tristan, Taylor, and Wyatt, were raised to work hard, watching their parents, Todd and Amy, building a thriving hog operation. Amy was actually a nurse by trade, but she had recently hung up her scrubs and stethoscope and replaced them with muck boots and a shovel to become a full-time farm wife. It was a Saturday, so all hands were on deck preparing the farm buildings for a new delivery of baby pigs that they needed to get ready for. Amy was working in the hog building with her husband Todd and oldest son Tristan, while the younger kids stayed inside the house. Amy hadn't been feeling well, and she had just undergone minor outpatient surgery in the days before. After a few hours of work, she kept having these weird little dizzy spells and decided to go inside to rest. But before doing so, Todd asked her to retrieve an animal carrier for him out of their red barn. She obliged, as she always did, when Todd told her to do something. After a while, Todd noticed that Amy still hadn't brought the animal carrier out of the barn yet and had not placed it where he had instructed her to do so. Todd was curious as to where Amy was and what she was doing. This was common for Todd. He usually knew where Amy was every moment of every day. So he asked Tristan to go to the Red Barn to check on his mother and see if he could lend her a hand. And this is when he walked into a horrifying sight, one that no child should ever have to see. Tristan's mom was face down on the ground bleeding with a corn rake lodged deep into her back. It was apparent that an accident had occurred and Amy was in trouble. Tristan screamed for his dad and together the two threw Amy into the truck heading for the hospital in the nearest town. Now I may be from Iowa and I may have to drive through cornfields to get to the grocery store or to my friend's house and I may know what a corn rake is but I bet you don't. A corn rake is essentially a pitchfork. It has four tines or, you know, those sharp fork thingies that stick out the bottom. But instead of those tines pointing straight down, they curve into an L shape. So a corn rake is just a pitchfork that curves up at the end. Just think pitchfork with a twist. It appeared that this corn rake had impaled Amy in a terrible accident. And that is what Todd told 911 operators on the way to the hospital.
1: Delaware County 911, what's the address of your emergency? Is oh. Hello? I'm on the road. I'm out of breath. Okay. What's going on? My, my wife, she's not responsive. I don't know if she's I don't know. She was halfway out the door. I sent my phone over to check on her. He yelled at me and I, she looks gone.
2: Okay. Um, we'll
0: get an ambulance for in just a second. Um, I'm, I'm headed there. I just grabbed her and she's in the truck with so my son, me. Okay, you're headed to the hospital and she's in your vehicle.
1: Yes, and there's no pole. She, <laughs> there, there's no pole. Can you pull over? I can. Okay,
0: how about you pull over? You did not do anything. She's just, I did nothing. Okay, what, what is your name, sir? Todd Moss. You feel anything?
1: Like Obama- Amy. Amy. Amy.
0: Okay, so what what happened that she's not conscious or breathing? She fell on a fork. I took to a fork on her. And it was an old fork sitting in somewhere and then
1: she was halfway out of the barn. Like okay. I to get out and then and yelled and I ran over there and okay. she laying there. She did not respond to me. Okay. Come
0: on. Sir, do you feel comfortable? Uh, doing CPR. I can try. I'll try anything. She is she flat on the. Are you able to get her flat across maybe the seat? Yep.
1: One two. One two. Go on. Come on, respond. She's cold. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come
0: on. Todd and Tristan's efforts could not save Amy, and she succumbed to her injuries before they made it to the hospital. And this is no surprise to people in a rural farming community because, believe it or not, farming is an extremely dangerous career. It comes in at number four in a CBS News report of the 10 deadliest jobs in America. When you live in a farming community, you undoubtedly know someone who has been affected by farm fatalities, or have lost someone in your own life to a farming accident. My own great-grandfather, who came from Germany, was killed on his Iowa farm when he was stampeded by some of his horses, and my sweet sister-in-law, she lost her mom also in a tragic farming accident when she was a kid. I could go on and on with personal anecdotes of farm injuries that have affected people in my own life and in my own circle. Farming is just really hard. It's a hard life. Farmers feed America and they frequently pay the price with their lives. And by all appearances, this is exactly what happened to Amy Mullis on that November, Saturday, working on the family hog farm. But a deeper probe into the Mullis family would start to unravel a twisted tale of sex, lies, and motive for murder. Amy and Todd may have seemed like a strong and cohesive force. Living together, raising a family together, and working together. They were never apart, and that was by design. You see... Todd planned out every moment of Amy's day. Every minute was literally tracked and accounted for, ever since Amy had had a previous indiscretion in 2013. Todd and Amy really were polar opposites. While Amy was bubbly, outgoing, and fun, Todd was controlling, jealous, and a little scary. The differences in their personalities led to a lot of volatility in their relationship, and nine years after they were married, it played a part in a very unhappy Amy straying from their marriage. In 2013, Amy had an affair, and Todd found out about it. Rather than making plans for a divorce, Todd laid down the law. He demanded that Amy quit her job as a registered nurse at the local hospital, and work by his side at the farm where he would know what she was doing every second of every day. Amy told her friends that she had no choice in the matter. She said that even though she was very unhappy, she was and would forever be Todd's prisoner. Todd never got over that affair, and Amy told friends that behind closed doors, she lived a very miserable existence with her husband. Friends joked that there was an approved friends list of just a few chosen girlfriends that Amy could associate with. When Amy left the farm, Todd timed when she left home and how long it would take her to get back. She literally had to account for every minute she was away from Todd. Todd would argue that, although the marriage was tense after her affair, it was good. He stated that they had great communication and Amy willingly stayed with Todd, trying to work on things. He would say that Amy wanted to be a hard-working farm wife, that it was her choice to be by Todd's side, exactly like she was doing on that tragic November day. So to the naked eye, it appeared that Amy fell on the corn rake in a tragic freak accident. But when her body was examined during the autopsy, the details told a much different story. First of all, to fall and be impaled by a pitchfork, well, that would be really bad luck. But to get up, take the corn rake out of your own back, and then fall on that same corn rake again, and then take it out of your back again, and then possibly fall again? Well, that sounds basically impossible. But that is what would have had to happen to cause Amy's injuries. Because the corn rake had four tines. Amy had six puncture wounds from those tines. How could four tines cause six holes? On top of that, the holes tunneled through at different directions, showing that Amy had been impaled two or possibly three times at different angles. Besides the puncture wounds in Amy's back, there was also blunt force trauma to Amy's face, her hands, and her knees, appearing that there had been a struggle. She had scratches on her upper lip, on her face, and throughout her body. So the evidence showed that this is basically what happened. Pretty much, someone stabbed Amy in the back, pulled the corn rake out, probably struggled with her a bit, causing abrasions on her face, hands, and knees, and then stabbed her again, pulled the corn rake out again, and then plunged the corn rake into her back a final time before leaving Amy in a heap on the ground face down with the weapon still sticking out of her back. That's what investigators saw when they took a closer look. So when detectives brought Todd in for questioning, he had nothing but great things to say about Amy, about their relationship, and about their business they shared. Everything was depicted by Todd as rosy and happy with rainbows coming out of their butts. But this was not the truth. And guess what that was? Lies. It was all lies. Because just a few short months before Amy's death, Todd's radar was starting to go off again. He felt Amy pulling away, getting distant, becoming very emotional. And he had been down this road before with Amy. He knew how she acted when she had another man on her mind. And he started doing his recon again in typical Todd fashion. And he found out that something was going on. Todd started looking through paperwork, going over phone records, and he found hundreds of text messages between Amy and a man who helped manage their farm, Jerry Frazier. I'm pretty sure the last episode I did had a man named Jerry as well.
1: Jerry Burns.
0: Is everyone in this area of Iowa named Jerry? Kind of seems like it. Anywho... When you do business with someone, it's pretty common to exchange text messages and not be carrying on an affair with that person. So that was kind of a drastic jump for Todd to just assume something shady was going on. But Todd still confronted Jerry Fraser, looking for answers. He talked to Jerry and he even went so far as to call Jerry's wife. Everybody adamantly assured Todd Mullis over and over again that Fraser and his own wife were very happily married and that there was nothing going on with Amy Mullis. And Todd believed them, until he didn't. And he was right, actually. Amy Mullis and Jerry Fraser were having a torrid affair. An affair that Amy was extremely invested in. She told friends that she was deeply in love with Jerry Fraser and that she wanted to leave Todd and marry Jerry. And as we know, love is, unfortunately, one of the major motives for murder. We also know that when a woman is murdered, statistically speaking, it's usually... husband. So, who killed Amy? Was it Todd? Well, Todd had an alibi. It was his son, Tristan, who claimed that Todd had been with him all day in his sight. He reiterated the same story that Todd had told that the three were busy working in the barn when Amy, just a few days post-op from a minor surgical procedure, started getting dizzy, shaky, and not feeling well. Tristan also said that both he and Todd urged Amy to go inside and rest, but that Todd first requested she go get a pet carrier out of the red barn and take it over to the shop where he needed to use it. Tristan also agreed that about an hour and a half later, when the pet carrier was not where Todd asked Amy to put it, Todd instructed Tristan to go check on mom in the red barn. This is where Tristan found Amy's lifeless body, face down on her hands and knees, covered in blood with the corn rake sticking out of her back. Can you imagine at 13 years old, finding your mom, bloody, impaled on the ground? Just a horrific sight for this kid to stumble into. So Tristan started screaming, and when Todd came into the barn, he instructed Tristan to run and go get the truck and pull it around so they could take Amy to the hospital. And yes, at just 13 years old, Iowa farm kids are professionals at driving trucks. So Tristan did what his dad asked. Todd picked Amy up and placed her body on top of Tristan while Todd drove towards the hospital. As they drove, Todd finally dialed 911. An ambulance met them on the way and attempted to revive an unresponsive Amy en route to the hospital. Todd and Tristan both had matching stories. Tristan said he knew where his dad was throughout that time frame when Amy would have been killed. So, if Todd didn't kill Amy, who did? There was another person who spent a lot of time at the farm. Someone who knew all the buildings, had access to everything, and knew the schedules of the Mullis family. That person was Jerry Fraser, the man Amy Mullis was having an affair with. Jerry Fraser had kids, a wife, and a family that he didn't want to lose. So, was that motive to get rid of Amy? Let's think about that for a minute. I personally think that's kind of absurd because offing Amy wasn't really going to solve any of his problems here. It would be a very risky move, hard to get away with, and he just had a lot more to lose than he did to gain. But he was extremely nervous and worried about Todd's reaction to the affair. Jerry wasn't ready to leave his wife for Amy, and he was scared his family would find out about the affair. Apparently for him, it was more of a sexual affair that didn't seem to mean a whole lot, while for Amy, it was way deeper than that. Jerry Fraser had an alibi, though, and it was solid. He was about an hour away with his family, and cell phone records and witness testimony supported that. Todd Mullis seemed to have much more motive than anyone else to sink that corn rake into Amy's back. He knew his wife was unhappy, and a divorce would be much more than just a hit to his pride. It would be a hit to his bank account as well. The hog farm they owned together was worth a lot of money, and most likely he would lose it in the divorce. Between the couple's assets, child support, alimony, and everything else, Amy stood to gain about $2 million in a divorce with Todd. Todd would lose money, the farm, his wife, and all the control. Amy was scared of Todd. She lived in fear of him, and she was not silent about that. She confided in friends that she was certain that if she did ask Todd for a divorce, he would rather kill her than give her one. She told her lover, Jerry Fraser that she thought Todd might kill her, and other friends state that Amy even warned them that if she ever went missing, there were certain places on the farm where Todd would most likely hide her body, one of which was the acres of new timber they had just purchased. Numerous friends warned Amy that Todd is not a man to mess with and that she needed to get away before she ended up dead. But she didn't heed their warnings and then it was too late. A friend of Amy Mullis takes the stand and describes Amy's life with Todd.
2: When she very first told me the very first day that she was having an affair, I'm, I was so angry at her because I told her, you know, Amy, you're putting yourself in a really dangerous situation. And I said at that time, he is going to kill you. And why did you say that? Because Todd is just a, the person you don't mess with.
1: Now, during the same time that you're having these conversations with Amy, Are you at times also communicating with Todd? Yes. And what, if anything, is Todd saying to you in these conversations?
2: Todd was saying um, that Amy at home was very moody. She was crying a lot. She was being mean to the children. He was saying that she seemed depressed. She's upset, but at the same time, he's saying this when i was with amy i did not see that behavior from her
0: so after the unusual autopsy and a mountain of questions investigators probed deeper into the events of the day that amy died One thing that investigators found unusual was that when Todd asked Amy to get the pet carrier and she never brought it, and when Todd told Tristan to go find out what Amy was doing, well, he didn't just broadly ask Tristan to go find mom. He specifically asked Tristan to go into the Red Shed to help mom. But that was an hour and a half prior that Todd asked Amy to go get the pet carrier from the Red Barn. It does not take an hour and a half to go grab a pet carrier. So the prosecution claimed that Todd's Freudian slip proved that he knew Amy never left that red barn, that he knew she was dead because he killed her, and that it was his plan all along to have Tristan stumble upon her body. Additionally, during Todd's initial interview, investigators thought he reacted oddly. He was sort of cold, very calm, they said he didn't really fight or deny what they were accusing him of the way an innocent person would. He was just sort of quiet and agreeable. And we all know that everyone reacts differently to death and trauma, so I'm not really sure that there's a right or a normal way to act when your spouse is killed in a grisly accident, but police found it weird. And while Todd had a solid alibi, which was his son, Tristan, who claimed that he and his dad worked closely together all day and they were never out of each other's sight, well, when Tristan thought about that fateful day a little more, he actually remembered things a bit differently. Tristan actually had lost sight of Todd a few times after Amy left them. He had previously said that he was certain he was never away from his dad for more than a minute or so at a time, but that actually wasn't correct, and he revised his first statement. He actually had gone to get some water and a few other things during the time that Amy was gone, and he couldn't recall exactly how long Todd was not in his line of sight. Was it enough time to kill Amy? Maybe, maybe not but this new insight was definitely a game-changer. There was still room for doubt. If Todd had an altercation with Amy in the red barn, enough to cause all those abrasions on Amy's face and body, and if he had stabbed her repeatedly with the corn rake, wouldn't he also have scratches? Wouldn't he have had blood on his clothes? Wouldn't he have come back into the barn with Tristan out of breath, upset, and sweating one would think, but Tristan said Todd had none of those things going on. So the big question here was, did Todd have the opportunity during that small window of time to stab Amy two to three times with the corn rake, struggle with her, and let her bleed out long enough to drift into unconsciousness? Well, luckily investigators determined that they weren't going to need to rely solely on Tristan's testimony. Because there were cameras around the farm. They thought this was going to be a lucky break. Just review the camera footage and they'd quickly be able to see if anyone followed Amy into the barn that day. But guess what? There happened to be no camera footage from that day. There was from the next day, but conveniently not from that day. That would just be too easy, right? Todd's explanation was that the farm cats that hung around the property must have knocked the camera off the ledge, turning off the recorder, and that was the reason why there was nothing recorded on the day of Amy's death. He stated that he actually did go to check the cameras for clues, and that this is when he discovered that the cameras had been knocked offline, and that at that time he was prompted to fix the camera, So that was his explanation as to why there was nothing recorded on that day, but there was the day after that. Todd seemed to have an explanation, although kind of far-fetched ones, for everything that came his way, and that included his internet searches. Police confiscated all the electronics from the home, including laptops, Kindles, iPhones, and Todd's iPad. And on this iPad, they found some interesting searches. But that wasn't without some pushback from Todd, because at first... Todd refused to give the officers the four-digit passcode for his iPad, and once he did, they found over 700 pages of search results, and investigators went through those one by one. So it turns out Todd had searched for things like... Killing unfaithful women. What happens to cheaters in history? Thrill of the kill. Crimes of passion. Was killing more accepted centuries ago? Characteristics of cheating women. Did ancient cultures kill adulterers? Once you hunt man, you will always feel the thirst. And then, just four days before Amy's murder, there was a search done for... Where are vital organs located in the body? Ding, 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 ding. So, you could say that these searches could have been conducted by literally anyone, but they were done under Todd Mullis' Gmail account, for one thing. And most of the time, these searches were done between about 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., when the rest of the family would have been sleeping. And they were intermingled with other searches that would have definitely been done by Todd Mullis. For instance, he would look up things related to his farming business, and then he'd look up things about cheating women. He'd look up brands of combines, and then moments later, he would look up things about killing cheating wives. Through his internet searches, it was also evident that Todd was actually questioning the paternity of some of his and Amy's children. There were searches done for how to determine paternity through DNA without anyone knowing, among other things. He also did numerous searches on the buoyancy of the human body, looking for information on bodies and if they would sink or float when put underwater. And then moments later, he was searching for how to get text message records from an iPhone. The list of damning internet searches on Todd Mullis's iPad is long like I said investigators went through over 700 pages of internet searches and a lot of them were just very messed up and this reminds me hmm <laughs> never to kill anyone like I definitely would never kill anyone anyway but jesus If someone got a hold of my phone and all my devices and looked at all the messed up stuff I've searched for I mean, I do produce a true crime podcast and all, they'd probably just send me straight to jail. So we can't just say Todd Mullis is guilty because of his internet searches. But I'm saying he's guilty because of his internet searches. I mean, come on. He's looking into killing cheating women, where organs are located, various manners of murder, it's just so, so, so incriminating. Going through all the additional electronics from the Mullis household, investigators were able to find a lot of information about the inner workings of this family. It's crazy how we all have these technological footprints through our lives, and without even being cognizant of it on our own, these footprints leave a tale. In looking through Amy's own phone and computer, they were able to narrow down a small window of time when Amy's death occurred. At 10.14 a.m. on the day of Amy's death, Amy emailed her lover, Jerry Frazier. At 12.01 p.m., Todd Mullis called 911 to report her death. So in a window of just one hour and 47 minutes, Amy emailed Jerry, helped in the barn, was killed with the corn rake, thrown into the truck, and rushed to the hospital. Todd testified on his own behalf in his trial, which was kind of a bold move for his defense team. It's something that just doesn't happen often, and that's for good reason. It frequently backfires. Cross-examinations can be brutal in a case like this, and an accused murderer can come off a lot of different ways that look unflattering in a jury's eyes. Once a defendant willingly takes the stand in court, they waive their right to plead the Fifth Amendment, and they have to answer the prosecution's questions. And that's what happened here. Jury members would later say that his own testimony hurt him. He just didn't seem believable to the jury. They said he seemed cold, calculating, and emotionless. And that's exactly how even people who knew Todd very well would describe him. Additionally, while Mullis was on the stand, the prosecution breaks down the 911 call in detail, pointing out that while Todd was doing chest compressions on Amy, it sounded as though he calls Amy a cheating whore under his breath. This is an excerpt from the trial, where the prosecutor plays this particular section of audio in question. Now, I've altered the audio a bit in a few places. I've copied it several times so you can hear Todd Mullis saying it over and over again. I also slowed it down and stretched it out in some spots and made it a little louder. Let's see what you think.
1: Now, Todd, here I'm gonna um, I'm gonna play you the part where you're doing the chest compressions, and I'm just gonna ask that you listen in between the chest compressions, okay? No, Todd. Yeah. Did you just hear that whisper at the end of that? Yes. And what did you whisper? I couldn't hear it. Okay, I'm going to play it again. Todd, do you whisper cheating whore right there? Do you you know what you whispered there? Did you hear that? So I'm going to play that part one more time. The first clip is 653 of that second tape, and this second one is right at 7, I'm sorry, 0700. Just try to listen really closely. I just want to know if you remember what you said. here go
0: to hell cheating whore no i have nothing for the judge what do you hear i'll tell you what i hear and to my ears after listening to this several times it is as plain as day to me okay so while the prosecutor says he's saying cheating whore That's not exactly what I hear. What I hear is an exhausted and exasperated Todd Mullis whisper under his breath, and pardon my French guys, I'm gonna swear here, sorry, earmuffs. All you gotta
1: do is say earmuffs to him. Earmuffs. And he can say, fuck, shit, bitch, whatever you want. Cock, balls. Okay, I'm just proving a point. You don't have to celebrate it, Frank.
0: But I hear him say, fucking whore. Like the tail end of the F word. Hmm. Fucking. Like, fucking. Fucking whore. Fucking whore. And in the longer sentence where the prosecutor says he's saying, Go to hell, you cheating whore, that's not what I hear. But I do hear very plainly in an angry, fast, almost sarcastic tone that's incredible, cheating whore. That's incredible, cheating whore. That's incredible, cheating whore. <laughs> that's incredible cheating whore do you hear it what do you think so the trial wrapped up and going into deliberations the jury was actually split 50 50 Half thought Todd was innocent because there was only circumstantial evidence and there were no actual witnesses of the crime. The other half thought he was guilty based on his demeanor throughout his testimony on the stand, as well as those incriminating internet searches on his iPad. And it wasn't even just the internet searches in general as much as it was the obvious progression of paranoia and angst in those searches. There was a noticeable change in the tone of his internet searches before Todd became aware of Amy's latest affair and after he found out. He searched the ether for comfort in knowing that historically, cheating women would be killed, and he wanted revenge. Those internet searches showed blatant premeditation, and ultimately, those are the things that convinced the entire jury of his peers unanimously that Todd Mullis was guilty in the murder of his wife, Amy. With all of the evidence, there was really no doubt left in their minds as to what happened. Todd Mullis was sentenced to life in prison, and although he filed a motion for a new trial, that request was denied. Is currently attempting to appeal. The three Mullis kids, Tristan, Taylor, and Wyatt lost both their mother and their father in this horrific and senseless murder. The kids now live with Amy's family. So there are three possibilities here. One, Amy died in a tragic farming accident. Two, Todd killed Amy. Three, someone else killed Amy accidental death seems highly unlikely. I mean, she was stabbed two to three times with that corn rake. She would have had to fall again and again on the corn rake and her body showed evidence of a struggle on her face, her hands, and her knees. Given the marital issues, the infidelity, the internet searches, and all of those things, it looked like Todd was the killer. But there were no witnesses, and there was really only circumstantial evidence pointing to Todd. If Todd didn't kill Amy, who did? While it wasn't Jerry Fraser, Amy's lover, police were able to completely rule him out. There's one theory, though, although it's very far-fetched, that has gone down the rumor mill. And I really almost don't even want to bring it up because it's a little controversial, but it's worth mentioning. So in the time after Amy's affair, Tristan, the oldest son, became extremely close to his dad, Todd. He literally did everything that Todd did. They were totally inseparable. They became best friends and he just wanted to be like his dad in every way. In the courtroom, Amy's friend described that close relationship that grew between father and son.
2: The only thing she was having a difficult time with is she felt like if she chose to continue this relationship, she would lose her son, Tristan. And did she indicate to you why she felt that? She said um, that the past few months that Tristan and Todd had become very close. Um, Prior to that, Amy and Tristan were actually a very close mother-son. Tristan would come golfing with us. You know, He'd call me Tear Bear. And he he spent a lot of time with mom. He was very soft-hearted, very um, kind kid he had started she had told me you know all of a sudden Todd is starting to be Mr. Superdad which wasn't the case before because he's so involved with the farm he didn't take time out to go to their activities and now he was doing things with the children like taking them on picnics or down to their pond and or fishing which had never happened before and she said that He and Tristan were spending a lot of time together. Tristan was uh, losing, missing a lot of school because Todd was pulling him out to work on the farm. Um, She was upset that Tristan stopped participating in band because his dad told him, she said Tristan started like emulating his dad with the way he walked, the way he talked. didn't, start, didn't want to wear underwear because his dad didn't wear underwear. I mean, he just started mimicking his dad and they became, he and his dad became very, very close in those few
0: months. Tristan was really upset with his mom. What if those internet searches that were done in the middle of the night weren't done by Todd at all, but by an angry Tristan who was upset with his mother for ripping their family apart? What if, when Tristan went out to help Amy in the barn, he actually unleashed his teenage rage by impaling Amy with the corn rake? What if Todd knew what happened, but he was protecting his son by taking the fall? It seems a little far-fetched, but true crime fans, we have seen this before, and it's come up in casual local conversations and online discussions. Do you think Amy was killed in a tragic farming accident? or by the hand of someone she once loved. There are only two people who know the truth. And while Todd Mullis is going to sit in prison for the rest of his life, for his wife's murder, mystery still shrouds this untimely death. This has been True Crime IRL, True Crime in Real Life. I'm Kelly Barron's Brink, and this was the story of Amy Mullis' death by corn rake. Thanks for listening. Please follow True Crime IRL on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Crime IRL, and go to truecrimeirl.com for more information. Until next time. Lock your doors, people. Even if you live in a barn. Lock your farmhouse doors. Lock your barn doors. Lock your shed doors. Lock your doors. Lock all the doors. Especially if you have a psycho husband, please just lock your doors. Bye-bye.